0: Merry Christmas, everyone. Good morning, family. It's so good to be together. What a wonderful service it has been so far. Amen? It's so good. There's something so special in this season, something so special about Christmas carols, songs that speak about Christmas. Um, when, when Jade was a newborn last year, around August, uh, in order for her to fall asleep, I would sing pretty much any song that would pop in my mind. You you always end up not remembering any more songs to sing, and from time to time, a Christmas carol would pop in my mind. So I was that guy that was singing Jingle Bells in August just to see my little daughter fall asleep, which is not very normal to sing Christmas carols in August, as it is not been very normal for us to celebrate Christmas in these circumstances. Christmas, it feels, is not going to be a normal Christmas. And for us, and many of us may be struggling with the concept of what this Christmas is going to be like. Can we celebrate Christmas when we are forced to be away from our friends and family because we didn't get to travel? Can we celebrate Christmas when we feel down because of these circumstances and restrictions? Can we celebrate Christmas when our company this year let us go, when a relationship isn't working out in our lives, or just plain because we feel lost? And maybe you're not really feeling like celebrating Christmas in these circumstances that you're living right now. Maybe not the way that Christmas used to be before this time, but I've got news for you. Christmas isn't canceled just because times are hard. Christmas isn't canceled even if we have to change all of our plans. Even if you are in Portugal right now and you feel that you're stuck in Portugal because you feel like you could be somewhere else with family and friends, Christmas isn't canceled. And these days when you open Netflix, it's definitely a reminder that it's Christmas time. It suggests you every single Christmas movie and TV show that there is. And there was one very interesting one called... How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Do you know this story? It's a classical story, it's a children's book, but they've made many movies and cartoons and it's a really interesting story. I think most of us know the version that Jim Carrey plays, right? It's, how many of you have seen the movie or a movie about this story? Okay, I think most of you. But even if you don't know it, major spoiler, I'm sorry, but it's part of my message, so this, is a story of how Grinch, this character, invaded the unsuspecting town of Whoville, and he did everything in his power to ruin their Christmas. He stole every present, he stole all the food, every decoration. But in spite of his best efforts to steal Christmas, when the Who's, the inhabitants of this town, they woke up the next morning, this is what the book says. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing, without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And we know that Christmas means a lot more than packages or bags or boxes from stores. Christmas even means more than family gatherings and great food. Christmas means so much more than even this service that we're in this morning. It's because Christmas isn't about circumstances. Christmas isn't even about how we celebrated Christmas is about who we celebrate and Luke begins the Christmas story and you've read this story uh, last Sunday you've read this story this morning but let's read it again in Luke chapter 2 when when Luke tried us uh, and starts by telling us the Christmas story and this is how he chose to tell us and begin to tell us the Christmas story it says in those days Uh, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken off the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now when Luke starts telling us the Christmas story, he doesn't even mention Jesus. He starts by talking about uh, Caesar Augustus and some guy named Quirinius And it's a very strange way to start a biography. Don't you agree with me? It's a very strange way to tell us the Christmas story. But he does this for two main reasons. The first one is that he's providing us the timeline. He's providing us the season of when Jesus was born. And secondly, it serves as a reference for us on how was the world back then? What it was like to live in that world years from now, when you tell me that something happened in your life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I think we're all going to reach that time years from now. You were going to tell a story. So I was in Portugal when the COVID-19 pandemic hit and people already know immediately what was the world like back then. So when the Christmas story was being told, most people back at that time, they knew exactly what the world looked like when Jesus was born. And essentially, you wouldn't trade this time in history, even with COVID-19, for this time in history back then. While Quirinius was governor, there was a major rebellion against Rome. As people were living with little or no means due to high taxes while households were were being broken because of forced military service. And the Roman Empire reacted really violently in order to stop it. Caesar Augustus was, according to many historians, the greatest emperor in the history of Rome, the man who sat on the throne during the golden era of the empire. But this golden era was kept at the point of the sword. He crushed nations. Entire civilizations disappeared in order for Rome to keep and prosper his own empire. And this was the world that Jesus was born into. The story of Jesus isn't some cute and perfect story that we tell kids. This was the point that Pedro really made well last last week. The story of Jesus is the story of a God who loves us so much that he stepped into the real world. He stepped into our world, not a perfect world, not a world that is comfortable, not a world that is cozy. And just this tells us a lot of who Jesus is. This tells us a lot of who God is. Because as we said, Jesus is not just a baby. Jesus is God. So Jesus could have come at any other point in history any other place in time. But Jesus was born in the days when Caesar Augustus ruled Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Jesus was born into a world that was filled with violence, with warfare, with oppression, injustice. Jesus came into a world that was filled with fear, with chaos and sorrow, despair and grief. Jesus came into a world that was filled with pain, with suffering, with stress, and anxiety. So even though Jesus came 2,000 years ago, He understands very well our hardships. Jesus knows exactly what you and I are going through this Christmas season. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer and to see other people in suffering. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry And to be alone. Jesus knows what it's like to be hated and persecuted. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Because he went through it too. This Christmas isn't going to be a normal Christmas. But no matter what you're thinking or feeling or going through right now in your life. No matter what the thoughts that are coming out and and popping in your mind just trying to understand what is going to happen to your life next year, God understands you. If you're feeling the toll of this pandemic, if you're feeling the toll of the distance between you and your family members, if you're just feeling tired and just running down, if your heart is breaking, know that you can turn to Jesus. Our Savior told us in John sixteen thirty three. I have told you this so that you will have peace by being united to me. The world will make you suffer, but be brave. I have defeated the world." And that's the whole reason why Jesus came. If this world is trying to put us down, we have a savior that defeated the world. Jesus might not take away all the problems of the real world but he stepped into it just like you and me. Gabby, last night she was showing me a video uh, of a man that saved another man as he dove into the river here in Lisbon. And and that came into my mind and that's the exact image. So many people were filming this man drowning. So many people were just watching and seeing the, the most terrible thing happen to this man. But only one man decided to take off his clothes and dive into that really cold river because that is what it took to save this man's life. And this is exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He came into this world, this real world, the world of hurt, so that you and I, we can face it with joy, with peace and love, because we have a Savior that defeated the world. And Christmas continues to be Christmas because of something, this something that happened 2,000 years ago in a really small town called Bethlehem, an event that was witnessed not just by human beings, but also by angelic beings. And as we uh, heard last week, we're going to listen again this week. So let's read together Luke 2, verses 10 to 14. I'm going to ask Gabby to read. Don't be afraid. With whom God is pleased." So this story takes this very supernatural take. All of a sudden we get this picture and a clear idea that is announced from heaven that this baby is the everlasting Lord. He is not a mere earthly king. He is the incarnate internal God and creator of the whole universe. He was born of a virgin, God himself incarnated as man and as the Bible calls him Emmanuel, God is with us. So the Bible leaves no gaps for us to question who this baby actually was. Now Christmas allows us to feel very familiar with this story. But the fact that God himself was veiled in flesh is still pretty much mind-blowing. It sounds too crazy for someone in their right mind to believe that the God creator of the universe came as a baby 2,000 years ago. Many people even put this in the same field as believing in Santa Claus. So why do we believe in this? Why do Christians believe in this? We weren't even there to hear the angels saying. maybe we would believe if we had seen. We believe in this. As Gabby just mentioned, because this baby grew, this baby lived, this baby loved, and he taught, and he healed, and he changed the world. This baby and this man was hated, he was persecuted, he was tortured, and he was put to die on the cross, but he rose again from the dead, and he lives forevermore, and he promised to get us back. That is why we believe. We don't believe in just the picture of a baby. We believe in the redeeming Savior, the whole world that came in order to give his life to save us. Because now you and I, we understand that is what it took to save me. This is what it took to save your soul.
1: And that is
0: why this story matters. This is why this story is still the most important story that was ever told. And we respond to this story. We choose to respond to this story with faith because we recognize that we need a savior. We recognize that we can't do life on our own. We need God, we need love, and we need mercy, and we need peace, and we need forgiveness, and we need joy, and this is what Jesus and no one else can bring to our hearts this Christmas. If you recognize this morning that you need a savior, that you need help, it's him. It's Jesus, and I love that in this passage that we just read, the angels start. What so many strange ways to tell this Christmas story. Every time something begins, it feels like, why does it begin that way? The angels begin by saying, don't be afraid. Surrounded by so many unknowns, God wants us to have a no fear Christmas. Can you say no fear? Can you say it again? No fear. fear. God wants us to have a no fear Christmas. The Bible tells us do not be afraid over 150 times. 2 Timothy 1 says that God didn't create us to have fear, but to have love and strength and self-control. Fear is not your lifelong companion. Love is your lifelong companion. Strength is your lifelong companion. Self-control is your lifelong companion because Jesus is and wants to be your lifelong companion. God created you to live with peace, and the reason is this. Don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Joy is the feeling of being set free from a fear. Maybe you have experienced it when you were able to get inside an airplane and travel for the first time. Maybe it was the first time that you were forced to speak publicly. Or in our Christian context, maybe the first time someone invited you to pray publicly. Maybe you experienced joy when you decided to speak up about your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Maybe it was when you opened your heart to someone about an inner struggle and something that you were going through and no one else knew about. This great news of Jesus becomes great joy when it becomes personal. Contrary to these other joys, the great joy is not created from within. It is sent from above. True joy isn't something that we earn, but it's someone that you and I receive. So this morning when we announce that the great news have come, our Savior King has come, God wants us to fully understand the impact this needs to have in our hearts and in our lives today. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, and it's actually quoting Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always in front of me, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. You will make me full of joy with your presence. King David was claiming his Lord was with him and was leading him. He was before him. Every decision, every moment in his life, he knew that he had a Lord that walked before him. God never sends sends us somewhere where he's not going to be there with us. David is recognizing we have a Savior that is with us, and not just with us, he is before us. And we are to place our Lord and our Savior before ourselves. He chooses to follow his Lord. Jesus is also our right hand. It's a metaphor for trust, for power, for authority. We have that expression that someone is my right hand. It means that you entrust everything with this person. You trust him to make things happen. And David is saying his source of power, his source of strength, his source of authority is not in himself. But he has given his right hand to the Lord. The Lord is his source of power and authority. And when God acts and when we act, we don't act on our own. We act in the power of the Lord. And having this Lord, having this relationship, again, this personal relationship with Jesus provides security. You know who you are and you know where you're going. And provides you with great joy. This joy that's unfathomable. This joy that is greater than anything else that you can even think of. Our Savior. Our Jesus is our Emmanuel. God is with us. Can you say it with me? God is with us. Let's say it again. God is with us. So we need to place him before us. We need to have him at our right hand. His presence is still able able to fill us with safety and joy. With Jesus, you can have great joy when everyone else is having great fear. Christmas is a reminder that we have joy, true, real joy available to us today. Because we have Jesus, the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. And because of that, we can overcome any fear. There is no fear that is stronger than the love that Jesus has for you and me. There is no fear that is greater than the Savior that is at your right hand and stands before you. Christmas is the season for you and I to remember that we have the greatest reason to feel joyful. I want to invite the worship team to come. I don't know about you, but I'm finishing our one year Bible reading plan. Yay. Nice self-masud. Gabby is one month behind, but you can catch up that really quickly. (laughs) Hey, but she's accomplishing much. We don't judge. It's not for lack of trying. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. But I was reading and, and my year Bible plan is finishing uh, with the minor prophets. And it took me to the book of Habakkuk. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm really sorry. That's why I don't preach much about these books of the Bible. I don't. I can hardly tell the names of these prophets. was going to preach about Christmas using this passage but I feel challenged by God to look at this passage as the reason why I celebrate him during Christmas the Bible says fig trees may not grow figs and there may be no grapes on the vines there may be no olives growing and no food growing in the fields There may be no sheep in the pens and no cattle in the barns, but I will still be glad in the Lord. I will still rejoice in God, my Savior. The Lord God is my strength. He makes me like a deer that does not stumble, so I can walk on the steep mountains. Maybe your life isn't exactly what you thought it would be at the end of this year. But even though things may not be working out for you, maybe you cannot find many reasons to feel joyful. still be glad anymore. you can still feel joy in the Lord your God your Savior and while he is taking you through some very steep mountains you barely feel that you can walk right now I'm afraid of when Gabby and I went to South Africa, we had to turn back because of my fear of heights. We were going to such a pretty mountaintop, see a view that was priceless, but when you're fearful, you can't go. You freeze, you stop. And Maybe that's exactly how you feel this year was for you feel that you're walking in very steep mountains and you feel that you can fall at any time. Remember that God is watching your every step. God is with you. You have a Savior that is your Emmanuel. And when He is the Savior of your heart, the Savior of your life, you will not stumble. Will not stumble. It may look like it. It may feel like it. You may even fall. But the Lord is the one that will take you higher and higher. The Bible says that our Lord takes us from glory to glory. Just because you feel like you're falling, it doesn't mean that it's the end of the story. God is the Redeemer of your life, God is the Savior that you and I. Let's stand together and let's pray this morning. And if this message, something that was spoken this morning, you feel it was exactly for you, may you take this in your heart and declare it this morning before the Lord Lord, you are my Savior, you are my Redeemer. And even though I Do not know what's going to happen this year or next year. Even though I feel that I'm pretty much falling all the time. I feel that everything seems out of control in my life. Lord, you are my redeemer. You are my king. I want to place you before me. I want to place you at my right hand. I believe that you are capable of saving me. Honor Jesus this morning. Honor your Lord and Savior that came into your life, into your situation, into your real world to save you. And he's still capable of saving us. Dear God, we are so glad to be in your presence, so glad to celebrate the good news of our Savior King. A baby that was born 2,000 years ago to be the Savior of the world. A life that was so fragile, so precious, that endured some of the hardest struggles in life, even the cross. Oh Lord, you stepped into this world to save us. You are still the Savior of this world. You are still the Savior of our lives. Lord, as much as we look around us and we see so much sorrow and destruction and unknowns, so many things that seem out of control, remind us that we are serving a a Lord that is still the king of the universe. Remind us that we serve a Lord that is powerful to save us. Remind us that we do not have reason to fear You are with us. And Lord, if there is fear in our hearts this morning, if there's anxiety in our lives this morning, if there's sadness and sorrow in us, Lord, may we trade it for the joy that comes from being united with you.